that was beautiful. Thank you. If you're a newcomer, we have a lovely um, crop of guests and visitors today, family members or people visiting from out of town or just here because of the holidays or just just here. If I asked, well, what what seems to be what makes us a community? I wonder if you would agree with me that one core central thing that makes Hope Church Hope Church is that we are a community that gathers in the name of beauty. That beauty is really important. Larry's singing, sharing his talents. Look out this window. It is stunning out there. We have windows so that we can see out. And this sanctuary that's this jumble of textures of limestone rock and beautiful wood and a dome. And I'm here during the week. And so I see how much our volunteers invest in beauty. There's always someone up here digging up plants that no longer meet our fine standards (laughs) and putting in new ones or watering them. And so I started thinking about beauty. Beauty, this really is core to who we are, and beauty is such a, uh, a vague term. What you consider beauty and what you consider beauty can be completely different things. I'm one of those people that loves flowers, but I also love it when they wilt. So um, much to the feng shui chagrin of my dear friends, I like to leave them until they're what some would call ugly, but (laughs) I disagree. I have a background in art, um, and I find that the arts are always struggling to define. So what is beauty, really? What makes a painting? What makes a song? What makes... We're lucky to have this composer. How do you decide, Joseph Rivers, how a note whether a note is beautiful and whether it fits. And there's some math in it and there's some culture because our culture is familiar with a certain space between notes that's very different from other cultures. A gamelan is not based on 12 notes, but is based on 21 notes in an octave. And some of those tones together are not beautiful to us. And our sense of beauty changes. I turned to Frank Wilczek. Some of you may recognize his name. He writes a column in the Wall Street Journal once a month. He's a physicist and a mathematician, happens to be a Nobel Prize winner. But he's, uh, he's one of those amazing scientists who's able to talk about what he does and how he thinks to those of us who don't have those science and math gifts and make it make sense. And a question he's been pondering lately is, does the world, does the universe embody beauty? Now, why would a mathematician and a physicist ask that question? That's just, uh, sounds way too vague. But he has very specific reason for asking it, And it it 
steps on our toes in that it's a question that also is about is there a common thread to this universe what religion has been asking for millennials is there a maker is there a structure that we can understand where did it begin was there a creator who made this beauty what is beauty And he asks it because, as a mathematician, they can say things like, this formula is beautiful. And it's beautiful because, and his definition of beauty is, it's symmetrical and it's economical. And by symmetrical, he means it has proportion, it fits, it works, The closest I can get to that sense of having written a formula that explains something is getting to the end of my checkbook and it balances. It's that, oh, yes! (laughs) So imagine you're trying to understand space and time and um, when you find that you can create a formula that explains what is natural, that that would be beautiful, absolutely beautiful. He goes on, so symmetrical. The artists talk about symmetry all the time. If you think about it, it's perhaps one way, one kind of symmetry is mirror. So half of our sanctuary is very similar to the other half, but not. That's one kind of symmetry. He talks about symmetry in a way that took my breath away and is why we're talking about it today, and that is change without change. Symmetry is change without change. Does that sound like gobbledygook, or does that make complete sense? Let me see if I can give you some examples. Um, So he talks about uh, Einstein's theories of relativity. And in my impoverished layman's term I'll talk about that sensation you have when you are standing still but something is rushing past you so the laws of motion and weight and speed haven't changed they all make sense and you're just seeing something pass quickly a train let's say a train a train passed go past you the, the universe otherwise looks the same. But if you're on that train, all of a sudden the world looks completely different, and what seemed close is now coming towards you more rapidly than it was, and then is actually gone. But you know from being the person who's standing watching the train that the world remains the same, but at the same time what you're seeing is total change. So it is change without change. And the theories and equations that he derived are beautiful and economical because they describe that change without change. Another example is, I'll use a triangle. So, so a triangle has three points, and if you take one point and leave it there, and then turn the triangle, it'll start describing 
a circle. And if you do it in more than one dimension, you're going to end up with a sphere or a globe. So there's change. The size, uh, it, size of the circumference of the circle in relationship to the center can change, and all of a sudden there is a circle where there was not one, but the point, the center, remains the same. And I found that useful as I continue to struggle with what we are all experiencing with the holidays, with the elections, that we are experiencing change without change. Same with our congregation. We are still a church and we continue to change. Every Sunday it's a completely new set of people who show up. But we're still a church. The holidays, Thanksgiving have that um, nostalgia and all of a sudden I thought, well, is nostalgia really what it means to be on the train with things coming towards you and leaving. We're going to have Thanksgiving, but this year our configuration will be different than it was last year. And if I really think how it was when the kids were small, it was different then. So there's something very fundamental that's staying the same. We mark these holidays. We say, okay, this is the center now, and everything else changes around it. I found comfort in this as I tried to understand the apocalyptic, apocalyptic talk before the election, which is talk about how change is coming and it will be dire, and the apocalyptic talk that remains. What's happened is it's just changed. So who is talking apocalyptically is now different, but it's still the same. And I have found comfort in that, that we can work with this change, no change, that part of our task is to pay attention to what is the same and what is changing. Theodore Parker, he's a famous Unitarian, Massachusetts, part of the Boston Brahmin, UU ministers, in the 1800s. And he wrote a sermon called The Permanent and the Transient in Christianity, 1841. And he was trying to sort out for his congregation and the Unitarians at the time what in Christianity was really at the center and what was changing. What was the train going past? What was the circle that was moving? And he said, well, there's love, but Christianity over the last, when he had looked, 2,000 years, had changed. Their theology had changed. The Bible didn't exist when Jesus was born. The Torah did. And he was asking all those questions. So what is permanent? What is permanent in what gathers Unitarians together and moves them forward to be better human beings? What is it in Christianity 
that's permanent? And what if it really is totally transient? The train going by, useful for that particular era, context, geographic location, but not really at the heart and soul of Christianity. And it's a question that doesn't go away. What is it for us? When Hope Church was founded 48 or so years ago, the Unitarian, uh, well, yes, we were Unitarian Universalists by then. What is, what, what is the core then that remains now? And it's interesting. There's still, back when we were first founded, there were elders and parents and children. And who are we now? Elders, parents, children. So the beauty of us is this change without change. That we over and over again decide what is, what is permanent? What is, our, what is at the center of us? And we talk about it in terms, often in terms of love, in terms of agreeing to disagree, but listen and ask questions. There was just an interesting discussion. I didn't get to hear it all about science and religion. We get to continue having that discussion. So I hand it out because I wanted you to think I'm going to take time. I think what is essential these days is that we talk to each other. I'm going to ask you to form groups of two or three. And I'd like for you to consider the symmetry in your own life and talk to someone else about where there is symmetry, change without change, in your holiday Thanksgiving. Where you see change without change now that we're post-election. And if you're willing to go there, something in your personal life change without change I'm going to give us about five minutes don't be afraid to stand up I'll call you back groups of two or three (laughs) I know how you are you'll hesitate and then I won't be able to shut you up so (laughs) I know how this works want to join us I'll turn my mic off.
Are you done? Oh, I'm on. One more minute to wrap it up. One minute.
How'd that go? I've cleverly arranged for you to have coffee and cookie afterwards so you can keep talking. <laughs> You're welcome. Any huge ahas that you would like to share? I'll try and repeat what you say so everyone can hear. I heard discussions about we're still going to the same place, but now because of downsizing or um, allergies that things will be different it'll be the same but different at the holiday well I will share that I have the same family gathering same family gathering same food, same food. I don't cook it anymore she doesn't cook it anymore <laughs> that's huge I've heard people talk about the selection has encouraged them to change. I've noticed um, various groups that didn't exist now exist or feel empowered. Some healthy, some not so healthy. We have work to do to name what we see. But that that's part of that. The world has changed, but not. I, re- I look back at my own how... How often did I not call out something? So I'm, I'm just hoping that the lens of thinking about symmetry in your day, in your personal life, in the holidays, as we interact as citizens, gives some even-temperedness and understanding that the wor- this is how the, the this is how the world works. Compassion for yourself, compassion for those that you sit down and ha- share meals with this week. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. May it be so.